From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. My guest is a renowned researcher who is at Upstate to give the Carol M. Baldwin Breast Cancer Research Lecture. She has a new way of thinking about cancer that some describe as hopeful. Dr. Mina Bissell was trained as a chemist at Harvard before going on to earn a master's in bacteriology and biochemistry and a doctorate in microbiology and molecular genetics. Today, she is the distinguished senior scientist and a senior advisor to the laboratory director at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory in Berkeley, California. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Bissell. Thank you. Your work seems to be changing the answer to the question, what is cancer? How do you answer that question? Well, I'm not sure anybody actually could completely understand cancer because I think cancer is a problem of aging more than anything else. It is true that young children could get cancer or people with mutations and inherited mutation get are younger and get cancer. But really, cancer mainly is goes up logarithmically, logarithmically, as people age. And I, uh, my research actually has shed some light about the uh, things, the mechanism by which uh, we actually become more susceptible to cancer as we age. Interesting. Now, I, I, I've heard about a theory that a single oncogene or cancer cell um, is sufficient to cause cancer. Is that still a theory or is that, has that been disproven? Well, there are still people who believed because of mouse studies and uh, where they take a very, very potent oncogene and, uh, or oncogene means a cancer gene and uh, they inject that into a mouse or they make an engineered mouse with these potent oncogenes and the mouse gets tumors. But even under those circumstances, when you have uh, injected the, or at least inserted the gene of the cancer virus into the animal, they still get local tumors. So it tells you that a single oncogene is not enough. And in human tumor, we, um, I argue, and I think people, um, I think at times have exaggerated too much that we don't need any mutation to get cancer. And in all honesty, I haven't seen a tumor that doesn't have mutation. Why insist on that? You know, they have mutation. Now, whether or not the first event needs to be a mutation, um, I could believe that the first event could also be just aging, which of course causes things to change, but also that the whole microenvironment of the cells in your body changes position, they do things that they didn't do as a young person. And if we in fact know that we could take very uh, younger uh, people's skin and put, um, and graft, you know, if they have burned or something, it takes very well. If you take the aging people's skin, it is still works, but it sort of uh, has problems. It doesn't, it doesn't go as well. It doesn't look as, uh, as well as, as somebody who is, you know, somebody who is much younger. 
So I think that this question of aging and cancer is one of those questions that we need to um, examine more in more depth. And there are a number of people, quite a few people who are doing it. But I think at times they argue that you have to have either cancer or death of the cells as you get older. I don't know if I should explain what I mean by, uh, by the death of the cell. It's uh, called cell apoptosis, death. cell oh. death, yes, okay. cell death. Uh, cell death or we call it apoptosis. And um, so that's, that's one part of it. But there's also um, possibility that the microenvironment uh, that is around, say, a single epithelial breast cell um, could be changing because of aging, because of sickness, because of uh, too much radiation, because of all these events that we see in the environment, because of bad um, chemicals in, in the ocean or in your city or whatever. But it is true that, um, at least I believe, because of my work, that until the architecture of the organ that you're talking about starts changing its shape and its architecture, you still look as if you're normal. For example, if they took a, a, a biopsy from my breast, or even a 16-year-old boy who, uh, from his prostate, if they... Uh, unfortunately, had had an accident, you know, and people look at the prostate of a 16-year-old uh, kid, and they are full of mutation. And as you and I are sitting here, we both have tremendous amount of mutation, and you ha and I have a lot more than you do because I'm older. Okay. And uh, and these these are eventually give rise to cancer, and uh, I. I'll usually argue that um, we have some, somewhere between 30 to 70 trillion cells. I have no idea who counted them, but, but trillion, yeah? And they all have the same genetic information. And the idea is, why is your nose your nose and your mouth your mouth? And that has something to do with what I have discovered and that is the role of extracellular matrix. So before we get into ECM, extracellular matrix, tell me again or define for me what a microenvironment is. Mm -hmm. Is that just what surrounds a cell? Um, anything around the cell uh, that is outside the cell is its microenvironment. So and all of these trillions of cells in our body, do they all have the same microenvironment because Not they're in the same all. body? Not oh. at all. And that's the whole important discovery, right? So, so we all have the skin in uh, all of our body. And, but if they look carefully at the skin in your nose as opposed to the skin in your finger, um, they have the same genetic information but they have very different kind of proteins. And those proteins shape the final destiny, if you will, of the 
of the cells under those conditions. And I always argue, and I think people have begun to believe this, uh, although in the old days you would treat cancer with um, very, very toxic material, and they would use the same toxic material for breast cancer, liver cancer, prostate cancer, etc. And now uh, I, we have become smarter, and we begin to think that the liver cancer is a different beast than a prostate cancer. Or, or you know, they have similarities. They do share certain things, but they are not the same. So cancer is an organ-specific disease. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking about how cancer forms with Dr. Mina Bissell, who is visiting Upstate from the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory in California. So you mentioned the extracellular matrix. Is that part of the microenvironment? Yes, it is part of the microenvironment, and these are very large, insoluble proteins that the cell itself secretes, but is not Every cell is not secreting the same kind of extracellular matrix. They secrete different kind of material, and that those differences helps the maintenance of what we call organ specificity. So for your breast, you make milk, and these things help to allow that. For your eyes, you have... Um, whatever eyes has, <laughs> or for your skin, you have mel- melanin and, you know, all these things. So um, for liver, you have albumin. And um, so, so that specificity is maintained and provided by the work that the extracellular matrix does in combination with growth factors. Do cancer cells have the ability to break free of their microenvironment and not follow what the microenvironment wants to dictate? Well, I believe that um, that the only time that happens is when, uh, uh, well, of course, you know, we have what we call metastasis, but that's when, where that's when it spreads. Yes, that way spread, and we now know that these cells are spread a lot earlier than we thought before, unfortunately. Uh, In other words, it's not until the tumor gets at a certain size. We now believe that there are all these different things, different cells, different um, molecules, different little particles. They're called exosomes that go from one part of your body to the other and just enters a different cell and they do different things. But usually the kind of metastasis that is that is um, kind of sleepy, if you will, is that they go to different tissues and organs, and they sit there. And one of my very brilliant uh, postdocs discovered that uh, these cells, these, these cells that become dormant, are cancer cells that get out of the bloodstream, but because there is extracellular matrix on the blood vessels, and in particular one molecule that is extremely important is called laminin is one of these extracellular matrix proteins and laminin um, uh, sort of lines the blood vessels 
along with other extracellular matrix molecules. But laminin, we have shown in my lab early on, that in fact is one of these components that when you add to a cell in a culture, it stops growing. So it has properties that allows the cells to stop growing. And if you, if this, when the cells become dormant, is because they're sitting on the lining of the blood vessel that has laminin in it. And so these tumor cells come out and they sit there dormant. So he made a very nice model for the discussing and understanding dormancy. Very proud of my students and postdocs. Well, this sounds, this is basic scientific research. Is there anything that we can take from what you know now to put into practice to help patients That's presently? a brilliant question. So um, I'm very proud to tell you that one of the very early um, work that I did, starting even in 1975, is that these extracellular matrix molecules have receptors on the cell surface. This wasn't known. And, you know, I basically proposed it theoretically, and then other people have, were working in their own lab, and they began to discover these particular receptors, and they're called integrins. And, uh, and this is a name that one of the professors later on gave to, to the collective uh, body of the, of, the, of the receptors. And what we find is that a particular receptor of integrin called beta-1 inhibitory activity of the, of the integrin um, because you can make an antibody against the integrins that misbehave and make the cell to lose its structure. So we have discovered this, that it has the ability to downmodulate the level and probably also the architecture or the shape of the receptors and make them think they are normal. So in my work, we have shown that in three-dimensional culture, which I developed years ago in 1992 together with, well, the first one was in my lab and it was on the mouse, but the human one was uh, developed with a colleague at Denmark, Ole Peterson, and we uh, made a very interesting assay where the normal cells put in this three-dimensional matrix of the same mouse, they are able to make milk in 3D. While if you put them flat, they don't. So it says that the context of the breast is crucial. So we develop a context that thought it was in the breast. And so the cells started making milk in mouse. In human, it's a little bit more complicated. But even in human, they make a beautiful architecture of the breast. And then we showed that the tumor cells make the architecture of a tumor in this gel of extracellular matrix. So it sounds like uh, what you've discovered may open up new uh, ways to sort of um, medications that might manage cancer as opposed to destroying it? Uh, Well, you need both. I mean, you know, usually the main tumor can be taken out. But on the other hand, you have these cells that sit around or also the running your blood vessel, etc. So it's, it would be nice to have adjuvant therapy 
And these things have been around for a while, but, but we now have shown in a series of studies with the mouse that when you use the beta-1 integrin inhibitory antibody together, say, with radiation and put human tumors into the mouse, if you normally have to kill them by eight gray of radiation, when you add this antibody, you only need two. And that oh. is wonderful because, you know, imagine of the women who may not lose uh, their hair, etc. And this just begun clinical trial. So wow. a, a company got formed on the basis of the work that we had done with my colleagues. And uh, they, they bought the patent and they now are doing it in Connecticut. Uh, they just went into clinical trial and I'm very pleased. And the whole uh, scientific area or even um, uh, venture capitalists have gotten very interested in this because it has so much promise to be given together with these other things and then have things do the right thing. Well, very interesting. Thank you so much to Dr. Mina Bissell, the Distinguished Senior Scientist and a Senior Advisor to the Laboratory Director at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory in Berkeley, California. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.